0: Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast, episode number four. In today's episode, you'll meet Tina Brandau. She is full of inspirational bombs. You'll want to get your notebook and pen handy because you'll be jotting down a lot of notes. In this episode, we discuss how to get up when life literally knocks you down, how to not stop when things get difficult, and how small degrees of change can make a massive impact. If you need a boost to your day, definitely tune in for this one. Enjoy. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Normand, former perfectionist, people pleaser, and rule follower, who woke up one day and realized I'd been living somebody else's dream because of my fear of stepping outside the lines. That's why I started this podcast to interview authors, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who learn to overcome their fears and obstacles in order to live the life of their dreams, to shine the light on how we can live the life of our dreams. Welcome to the show, Tina Brandau. How are you today? I am fantastic. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, thank you. And where are you calling in from? Where do you live? I live in Michigan.
1: Fun fact, actually. Michigan is actually shaped like a mitten. So if you hold up your hand, I live near your thumb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not familiar with, I'm terrible with geography. Is that near a big city anywhere in Michigan? Um, near Detroit, near-ish Detroit. Okay. So I just want to tell the audience a little bit about how we connected. Um, I, again, don't know anybody else from Michigan. So we connected through that online coaching program that we were both in, and it was called Made to Do This by Kathy Heller. It was great. It was a big group. And so we saw each other on Zoom sometimes, but we weren't in smaller groups. So we're on Facebook groups. So I don't know a lot of your story. So it's going to be great to get to know you along with the audience. I can't wait because I know you have a great story.
1: I'm so happy to be here. Yes, the Made to Do This group was fantastic, and the connections we made were amazing, but with 500 people, you didn't get to meet everybody, and everyone didn't get to hear everything, so I am so honored to get to share my story today.
0: Well, thank you. So the first question is kind of supposed to be a fun one. We'll we'll see. I love fun stuff. (laughs) Let's go back to the Tina in high school when we were voting for awards. I don't know. Mm. I think every high school does this, but most likely to succeed, most likely to go to jail, most likely to play in the NBA, whatever it is. Were you voted most likely to be something in your class? I was
1: not actually. I stayed in the middle, I stayed away from it. But if I had been, I would have had my own little classification. I probably would have been the most likely to lose my driver's license. <laughs> I had a very fast car, very, very fast car in high school. And let's just say that. Um, I have a lead foot, so it was an interesting time for me, for sure, but no, we did not, um, we only gave out a couple of awards, most likely to succeed, and you know, the, uh, what was the other one, the most likely to become a doctor, I think, there was like four awards out of my whole school, so I made up my own, most likely to lose my license.
0: (laughs) Well, good for you, I guess, I I don't know. I did not,
1: I did not, I like adrenaline, I like speed, so there we go.
0: That's good. So let's go into where you are today. Um, if, if I were to ask you, what do you do? What would, what would you tell me you do today? And then we'll go into your history to see what led you here.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. So I am the owner of Success Coaching Solutions. It is a coaching company that provides coaching, training, and motivation and inspiration for women. Really, it's at the essence, I empower women into action. That's really what I do through my business.
0: I could go so many different ways with that, and I'm sure you'll get into it, but being not in action seems to be a huge problem for women. And Well, I'm, I'm going to
1: take away a little bit of your your pathway here and just also interject i was an executive for 30 years working in human resource human development and working with all these people and i can tell you that it is so pervasive and so common that not being in action and living in doubt mm-hmm. that that is what actually prompted me to pivot from my corporate job and my corporate career into this kind of role where I'm doing it because it is so constant and it's such a huge need.
0: Yeah. And that's an act of bravery which we'll get into. Oh,
1: that's nothing compared to the rest of the bravery stuff we're going to talk about.
0: <laughs> so let's go way back. Let's way back. go to your upbringing. Where you were raised, kind of maybe what were you the middle child, oldest child, you know, just what life was like and then let's move forward.
1: Fantastic. So um, I actually am Northern raised Southern bred, if that makes any sense. Um, My mom and dad were both from the deep South. They moved to the North, raised the family up in the North. So I actually had um, a Southern upbringing in the North. So I had the best of both worlds. And they're very, very different worlds, by the way, had the best of both worlds. I'm the middle child. Um, I went- I went to college um, in Michigan and I have spent most of, my, actually, we'll just go with all of my adult years in Michigan, in different places in Michigan, but in Michigan.
0: Mm-hmm. So what were you like as a child, teenager? Were you outgoing? Were you shy? Were you, Did you have fear since that's a theme of the show?
1: <laughs> so I... I think it comes across in how I speak and my energy level that I'm very extroverted. I am very high energy. So, no, I was comfortable putting myself in any position, anywhere, anytime. I was just, I was comfortable, right?
0: So, you were extroverted. Shyness wasn't a problem for you,
1: huh? Shyness has never been a problem for me. In fact, That is part of why I went into the field that I went into, in fact, because I really do connect well with people. I love, I walk up to a stranger and start a conversation. Why? Because I want to know them. So I have never had a problem with that. And so for many people, it's intimidating, but I'll tell you if you have a real true extrovert, they love connecting with everybody. So please never be intimidated to talk to an extrovert because they're going to love you to pieces. They just want to talk to you. They do. Extroverts want people. They get energy from the people. But again, uh, that's who I was growing up. That's who I continue to be. And let that's me
0: draw- say, I'm so envious of people. I have always been envious of people like you because shy doesn't even describe how I, how I was. And I saw people like you going, how do you do it? I mean, how do you feel so comfortable in your own skin? Just amazes me, but we're all made different.
1: We are all made different. In fact, I have two children and one of my children is more extroverted than I am. Truly more extroverted than wow. I am. I didn't, think, I didn't think that was possible. I didn't, but truly. Is. And the other one is extremely shy and timid. Now, my husband, is an extrovert because of his job but he's still shy so you have i've 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 worked with and seen all the different varieties and yes it is very very different so it's not biological either both of my children are not extroverted so Mm -hmm. it definitely is something that i would tell you not to envy but to surround yourself with and it's infectious so well we can talk about that too. I'm so okay. excited.
0: <laughs> so let's so move on into college. Did you go to college or where did you go? I did go
1: to college. I did go to college and I will be very candid. Um, I was the dutiful daughter and I was going to college and I was supposed to be an accountant because by gosh everybody down the line all the other cousins and everybody else was an accountant and I did two semesters of it came home and said, uh, hey, mom, hey, dad, I don't think I want to do that. I think I want to do this whole people development thing. And um, I don't think either of them knew how to take me at that very moment, to be <laughs> honest. They're like, um, we're spending all this money for you to do what? And I'm like, yes. But it was a business degree. I got a lot of business education out of it. It was human resource management, organizational and behavioral development, which was fantastic. It's a lot of words I just threw at you. But really, it's about all things people. So you had to learn law and all of that kind of stuff, so you could help manage that for organizations. But you had to learn people. So that was really what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, newer field at the time. A lot of people had mm-hmm. not been in it, and this was a quite a few years ago. I'll be <laughs> candid. So I went on to college. I went on. I started my career. Mm-hmm. Boom. Start my career. I actually um, transitioned my career a few different times. I've worked now 30 years as an executive. Mm-hmm. I have. Um, I'm going to jump to like the mid-level of my career, if that's yeah, okay with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So I actually had an opportunity to work for an organization that had just an enormous training budget. They needed training to be vetted for all the employees everywhere in their organization. It was oh, huge. Wow. So they, tra- I traveled all over the country to get to go to training. Talk about absorbing knowledge. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Every latest and greatest thing. And I really fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. Um, I then had an opportunity to go to work at a health system, very different from my first was in the automotive manufacturing world, then in healthcare. And I went to healthcare and I was like, hmm, do I really want to go to healthcare? I will tell you that sometimes you make decisions that you have no idea the impact of until far later in your life. And I can tell you that going into healthcare was so fortuitous and so amazing for me. Um, I stayed there for several years. There was a group of us that worked there that had, some of them went ahead and then they called me and asked me to go with to another company. And this other company was amazing as well. This other company was fantastic. They had really, they believed in self-development. They believed in employee development and they brought in, and I worked with some of the most amazing and influential coaches in the entire country.
0: Was this still in healthcare?
1: No, I left healthcare. I left healthcare and went into property management real estate. So I've now been in manufacturing, healthcare, and real estate, or property management real estate. And so I'm in this realm where I'm surrounded by the best coaches and the best um, leaders and thought leaders and, oh my goodness, so much that I was surrounded by that I I was learning and growing and learning and growing. I was a sponge just soaking it up. And then something happened
0: do tell.
1: I will. This is where my pivot in life happened. So I had, um, actually I had just turned 40 and I had signed up to go run a marathon. And if you knew me,
0: were you married, had kids, Anything? what stage were you personally at this time?
1: At that time I was married. I got married in 25. Mm -hmm. i've been married to my same wonderful husband all along okay um i often joke please i I probably shouldn't say this but he's he i'll just i'm gonna say it anyways i often joke that it was the best 10 years of my life even though we've been married almost 30.
0: Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to get that background. So, you were going to so, run a marathon.
1: So, I was going to run. So, I've been, so I, you, I also had two kids at the time who were like age 10 and eight, and that's really super important as well. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I was going to run this marathon. I was not a runner. I was not a runner. I was running it because um, I was asked to. A baby that I know very well had gotten cancer, and we were doing a run to raise money. Mm-hmm. How in the world do you say no to that, right? How in the world do you say no to that? So I thought, my God, if she can go through everything she's going through, I can certainly go through the pain, the tolls, whatever I've got to go through to get ready to run this marathon. So I did, and I got out and I started running. You don't just get up and go run a marathon. You don't just do it.
0: I'm a marathon so- runner, by the way. So- oh,
1: that's- so you're gonna love this story and you're gonna you're gonna I guarantee you you will never run the same again after this okay guarantee so one of the things that happened in this is obviously you get up and you know you you run for me not being a runner you run to the end of your driveway and you run back okay that's what you do and then you run to the neighborhood and then you run back and you start stretching yourself further and further and I got to the place where I was doing good time and and decent distance and you know it's getting closer and closer I'm I'm training and training and training and training. And it's getting closer. It's in January in Florida. Now I live in Michigan. It's freezing cold. Okay. (laughs) I'm talking, you got ice and snow on the ground in January. So I'm thinking anything, it's worth it just to go run in the sun. I'm so happy about being going to be able to go in January. So I'm training into the fall and it's October. I decided to take my kids camping. I love to go camping. So um, we have so many beautiful places to camp in Michigan. And I took my kids camping for this particular weekend, but I wasn't gonna skip my training because we know how important it is, right? So I got up and I went for a run that morning and I'm running up and down this trail. This trail is frankly brutal, brutal. it's up and down the, 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 the inclines. I actually had to pull myself up one of the inclines. It was so bad, but anyways, I'm running on this path. It was just so amazing around a lake and all of a sudden I hear this noise and I'm not sure what this noise is. I actually thought it might've been some coyotes coming mm-hmm. after me because you know, your mind makes illogical thoughts when you're out in the middle of the woods and it hears a noise and you can't reconcile it. But what it turned out to be was that, and it was a very loud noise that I was hearing at this point, it started with a rustling and then a very loud noise. What it actually was, was a tree had dry rotted. It snapped from its base. A large pine tree snapped, and it fell directly across the path that I was running on. Wow. Yeah. You want to talk about scaring you to death, right? Mm -hmm. This tree falls. The part that is most critical to this story is it didn't just cross the path. It hit me. Wow. So it hit me in the head. As the tree is coming down, it hits me in the head. And what happened at that point, I'm going to use some technological terms here or, or mm-hmm. medical terms. My, my brain bounced inside my skull. So picture mm-hmm. it bouncing because it smacks you one way, it bounces back. Your brain only has so much space inside the skull. So, the tree's in a downward force. So, it hits me. My brain bounces up one side to the other side and it comes down because it's pushing downward. So, I had what was called a coup contra coup brainstem injury. Okay.
0: You're taking me back to physical therapy school.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, I You're spent study. years in physical therapy. <laughs> so, coup contra coup brainstem injury with a low back injury, also. So, I was messed up. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, I was left in a position where I couldn't walk or talk on my own. My cognitive processing was gone. I functioned like that of a three-year-old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I went from executive to three-year-old overnight. Wow. Literally the doctors, obviously ambulance comes, takes me to the hospital. The doctor's in the trauma unit, Shout out to University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. I got to say, go blue. But beyond that, you saved me. But the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor doctors um, in the trauma center told my husband, these kinds of accidents happen more frequently than you would think. You just never hear about them because people don't survive them. I survived. Miracle number one. And there's many miracles coming. Miracle number one. They told my husband that I would never function beyond that of a three-year-old. And his answer was, you don't know my wife. Mm -hmm. So I went, and I know you're physical therapy school. I'm sure you're going to pick up on this as well. I started doing therapy. I had to do therapy. I mean, I literally was functioning. I'm 40 years old and functioning like a three year old. Mm -hmm. I literally had to start in occupational therapy with the cups, with the peas, with the tweezers and take that tweezer, pick up one pea and put it in another cup. Mm -hmm. It would have been so easy at that moment for me to simply have said, look at what everybody else can do. I can't do that. I'm just gonna stop. Why bother? I'm not as good as you. Why bother? I can't do like you. But instead, my mindset was, move that P, Move that P, Move that P. And I'm gonna tell you a little secret, and I know you've done physical therapy, so I, I, I love this little secret. And unless you've been inside the circle, you don't know it. I was with a group of people who suffered brain injuries. Mm-hmm. Car accidents mostly. I will say there were no other tree accidents there, but mostly car accidents. Some had fallen downstairs and other things. But seriously, this group of people, there was no stopping them. There was, the resilience was so high with this group of people that it was amazing. And I actually reached a level where I was functioning like a seven-year-old. Now. Progress. I, Progress. They also told my husband that I had reached MMI, maximum medical improvement. I wasn't going to get any better. He looked at them and said, you don't know my wife. (laughs) And I said, you don't know me. Now, when I was three, the three-year-old functioning, I couldn't say you don't know me, but at seven, I could tell him that. And I meant it with every ounce of fiber in my being. Mm -hmm. All it takes is you to tell me I can't, and I will show you I can. And so I went from moving those peas to doing all the exercises to doing all the activities. I cannot even tell you the hours and hours and hours and days and months and years that I spent getting to the place where I could function and talk. I can talk. Listen how fast I talk now. I'm in awe of the fact that I can talk. I could not remember my dog's name. My dog's name, who I had had this dog for 10 years. My dog's name became Dog. Yeah. You go through things in life that change you. You go through things in life that invigorate you. So I found my way back into the workforce. I found my way back into an executive position. I won't, I don't tell the people I went to work for, but I really wasn't ready to go back to work. (laughs) In fact, in fact, I couldn't even drive a car yet. So um, there's that. Um, But anyways, I was going to say, I went back to work. I did what I could do at work. And then I would go home and I'd go to bed. And I would, all weekend, I would sleep all weekend because your brain was so fatigued, so Mm -hmm. exhausted, so everything. I literally worked and slept, worked and slept, worked and slept and did my exercises. That's what I did. Now, mind you, it was very tough on my family, very tough on my family. But I will tell you that it also instilled in my children a sense of resiliency, because they, they had to change overnight, literally, Mm -hmm. as well as seeing me fight back so hard. And I fought, I fought hard. I clawed back. Why did I do all of that? Because I had two choices. I had the choice to compare myself to others and give up and never, ever live my divine potential or I had the opportunity to take the gift that was given. I should have died that day, and I didn't. If that doesn't light you up and drive you forward with purpose, nothing ever will. And I now believe, and I live fully into, I went on and became an executive, like I said, and I did that job for many, many years. And in fact, I'm transitioning full-time now, out of that job and into my business. I've been doing my business for a while, but I'm transitioning full-time out of it. Mm -hmm. I believe wholeheartedly that there is no time to wait to do the things that you are destined to do.
0: Let me ask you this. Uh, You had a tragedy or a, a tragic event happen in your life, and a lot of times that's what it takes for people to make a decision to change or whatever. Do you feel like there's a way that, you know, Mary Smith down the street can make a change without going through rock bottom tragedy? And if so, how?
1: I think it's super simple. You interact with people who have, who will pull you through it. The more people you, and I do believe wholeheartedly, and I think you've heard this many times before, I'm sure in your life as well. You become the five people you surround yourself with most and I surrounded myself with people who believed in me, and I believed in me, and it pulls you forward. So using the momentum of other people, Mary Smith doesn't have to go through the tragedy I did. Mary Smith doesn't have to, but Mary Smith can listen to people who've been through those things, who can share that inspiration, that urgency, that sense of things, and share with them the things that they've learned through that process that really help. Mary, who didn't go through it, lived through it, right? So she gets that opportunity.
0: And that's the whole point of the show, beacons of bravery. You can follow the beacon that went through it. You, know, you can follow their path without necessarily having to go through it yourself, but you surround yourself with people who light the way, and you're you definitely one of them.
1: Well, and I will be candid. One of the main reasons I started my own company in the very first place is that it took me 30 years and a lot of hard knocks, a lot of hard knocks, including getting knocked upside the head with a tree to get to where I am today. I don't want people to wait 30 years to get to where I am. I will be, I told you, I was an executive. I was a C-suite executive, corner office, whole kit and caboodle. I had it all. I had it all. But I spent my whole life winning it away. I'll be happy when I get the job. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when, when, when. No, people, we don't have time to wait. It's not when, it's now. It is now. And how do you get to now? You live, you interact with people who know that life is precious. You don't have time to wait. You don't have time to sit and wait. And they will motivate you, they will inspire you, they will empower you. It may not be me, that's okay. It's, if it's not me, that's perfect. If it's somebody else, that's perfect. Find your people that will pull you forward in this life, and I don't care what you have to do to get close to them, you find a way to get close to them.
0: Can and I, got I get an amen?
1: <laughs> ah, I got a huge secret for you. What? People who've been through these kinds of things really really want to help other people get there so if you walked up to somebody and said hey could you would you spend time with me or could you share an idea with me are you kidding absolutely why is that because you want them to have it so bad because you don't know that tomorrow's promised and you know it better than anybody when you've been through something tough
0: right
1: And I think, you know, you ask, you know, how does Mary Smith get there? I think there's an old Tennessee Williams quote that I love. I love, love, love it. And it says, there comes a time for departure, even when there is no certain place to go. So you have to depart from who you are today to get to where you want to be tomorrow but you may not know what that is. And that's okay. But you have to depart from what you are today to get to where you want to be tomorrow, even if it means a baby step different and you don't know what that baby step looks like. But the most important part for me at all, and I'm going to tell you this quick little story. I want to talk about music, if I may. May I jump into music for a minute? I don't know if you have a favorite song or not. I have a favorite song. I have a very favorite song and my very, very favorite song. And and I I want you to do this with me. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Now I'm I'm interviewing you you now. This is awesome. So I'd like you to do this for me. I want you to play along. Ready? If you're happy and you know it.
0: clap your hands.
1: Do it for me. Oh, if you're happy and you know it. clap your hands. There you go. I want to point out something to you. When you have a coup 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 contra coup brainstem injury, the left side of your body and the right side of your body don't work together. I could not clap my hands together. When I would try to, my hands would pass each other. When I could get my arms to both move at the same time, they would pass each other. I could not clap my hands. That is my favorite song in the entire world. That is my favorite song because guess what? I can clap my hands. I will tell you now, I can tell you right now that I had to make that little step at a time. I had no idea where I was going to go, but I knew one thing for certain and that's I was going forward. So I would beg of you, whoever you are, Mary Smith, wherever you're stuck, take that step. You may not know where it is, but make sure I want you all to listen to that song. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. I want you to run that through your head every time you want to stop because guess what? You can clap your freaking hands today. And I couldn't. A lot of people can't. Clap your hands, take that step, make that move
0: well said well said it's just the little the little steps because stuck is when you're not doing anything you're just going through the cycle of your life you know you have to just make a move even if you don't know it's the right move you have to take a step right so
1: the way to stay stuck for certain <laughs> The way to stay, and I tell leaders this all the time. So this happens in leadership. This happens in in personal lives as well. So whether it's work life or personal life, the way to stay stuck is to stay inactive. All it takes is a movement. Do a movement. If you get upset at your spouse, I have a real cool, cool trick for this one. You get upset at your spouse, stand up and smile. First of all, he's going to think that you've lost, he or she's going to think that you've lost your mind and you're going to kill them. And it's going to be really kind of fun. But second of all, you can't be angry when you're smiling. I mean, try as hard as you want to put a smile on your face and yell. All you're going to do is crack yourself up because you can't scream when you're smiling. You can't you like, do it.
0: You look like the Joker or something. You do.
1: You cannot do it. So, so again, do something. So do something different. Take that walk, take that step, get, you know what? You may not be able to run your marathon, but walk to your mailbox. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Tomorrow, walk to your neighbor's house. Make that little step. That little step's gonna turn into big changes. And I'm gonna tell you something, we're gonna fail. And you gotta learn to laugh at yourself failing. And and you talk about people who are timid. The number one thing that stops people from timid is either fear of success or fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Number one, it's one of those fears. It's a fear that stops them. So I'm going to also say this. The worst thing in the world that happens if you fail is that you have moved forward and tried something new, but your confidence will boost even by trying. But as soon as you get that little rejection, you'll run backwards. If you can stand in the moment with that failure and just go, wow, I'm further ahead than I was yesterday, you're going to continue to build on that. No, life is not guaranteed. Life is not safe. None of it is. But at the end of the day, if you're in action, it's
0: amazing. 100%. And that's one of the things that uh, kept me from starting the podcast for a long time is being seen. Because with being seen, there's the potential for haters. And you have to know that expect the haters because if you're just being vanilla and you have no haters, you're not probably saying a strong enough message, right?
1: You're not living. <laughs> you're not living. I will be very blunt. People are going to hate you, but mm-hmm. that has not a
0: damn thing to do with you. Exactly.
1: So pardon my language. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, this podcast Damn's or not, but
0: damn fine. Beavers yeah. build them.
1: has nothing to do with you care not what other people think about you care you know it does not matter you know i really do think that at the end of the day the only thing that matters is that you can look in that mirror and know that you did your best Mm -hmm. that you had integrity that you gave your all and if your last breath was today you would be happy with what you did
0: Powerful message powerful is there more along the timeline you want to go into because I want to get to a big fear or obstacle you had to overcome because that's kind of one of the themes of the show okay um, let's let's jump into the fear okay okay so
1: um, during my injury and So I lost my memory. So I told you I couldn't remember dogs. So I say this to people candidly and kind of tongue in cheek. I had the fear knocked out of me. Wow. I literally had the fear knocked out of me. I also had all my bad memories knocked out of me. Oh my gosh, what that did for my marriage. Because I could not remember how many times (laughs) my husband had irritated me. It was so awesome. But I did. I had the fear knocked out of me. I wasn't afraid of anything. And that in and of itself caused other people fear. Because... I think about a young child who has no fear. I burned my hand on the stove because I had no fear. I just touched the flame. Right. I'm a 40 year old touching the flame. So I had no fear, but as I healed and as I got better, fear creeped back in.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: would I find another job that I could work at? Who would hire somebody with a brain injury, especially who would hire somebody back into an executive office? But guess what? It happened. Why did it happen? Because I went after it. I tried. I got in action. I did it. God's help. I firmly believe that, Right. but I still was in action. I, you know, I just left my corporate executive job. Fear does surround itself. Mm-hmm. Fear creeps in. And if you say you have no fear, you were either in a state where you had it knocked out of you more recently and you haven't really lived long after that, or you're lying because everybody has fear.
0: Or you're a sociopath.
1: Well, okay. I'm hoping no sociopaths are listening to your podcast.
0: (laughs) But you may know one.
1: You may know one. That is very true. Again, fear is normal in life and fear in and of itself tells you, and there's a whole psychology to this. And so I had to learn about neuroplasticity and the brain and all of the psychology that goes with it and all that to, to figure out how to survive this, right? Or how to thrive in this, I should say. So fear is a normal reaction to stepping outside your comfort zone. And if you can push through that barrier of fear, that's where you reach into learning and growth. Mm-hmm. You just have to keep pushing through and fear will come up and it comes in waves. Yeah. You may be in the growth stage and wait, and a wave of fear will pop back over you, or you may be it back in your comfort zone and a wave of fear will pop over you. So, the continuum doesn't guarantee that it's going to go in step order. What it really guarantees is you're all going to have it and that it's going to come up at the weirdest of times. Yeah. So, knowing that piece makes it a lot less scary when it happens. Mm-hmm.
0: And I heard recently, you talk about stepping out of your comfort zone. A lot of people think they have to do this big major thing like, okay, I'm this timid introvert and I need to go speak to a thousand people. No, it's the gradual 1%, 2% out of your comfort zone that leads you to being able to do the bigger things. You know, it's just, I'm going to say hi to a stranger today or, you know, whatever it may be. You don't have to go from nothing to win Winfrey, you know, it's the little 1%, 2% every day.
1: Micro changes make ma- make large changes. Well, I have a great example. So I've heard it said numerous times. If you are on a ship and you set your, chart your course for five degrees different, you end up in a completely different continent mm-hmm. over time. Why is that? Small degrees of change make massive impact. Very so. Deep. I will also tell you, we are a very instant society and I was the queen of instant, okay? Total queen of instant. If it, I can see if, that. If, you can see that? If it didn't happen in two and a half seconds, I was questioning why it wasn't done. That's, that's who I was. And then I found myself literally trying to move a pea from one cup to another cup, right? You know how long it took me to go from moving those 30 pieces? that's all it was to begin with, 30 pieces from one cup to another, it was weeks of agony to get that to happen. Weeks of agony to get that to happen. We want everything yesterday. Mm-hmm. Anything worth having is worth investing the time. And when we don't get instant gratification or instant response, most people, most people will quit and say, see, I told you so. But I wanna tell you and all your listeners, see, I told you so creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because the moment that you say, see, I told you so, you stop yourself. And when you stop yourself, whether it be in moving forward, maybe you want a new job, The moment you say, see, I told you, so it didn't happen. You're going to go right back in your comfort zone and you're not going to get that job. And it just became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. You have to stay in motion and push through the fear. You have to give yourself that grace and permission. And sometimes it just takes waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that one thing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, That's okay. Give yourself grace and permission and say, I haven't done it yet. I'll do it tomorrow.
0: It's all how you reframe everything.
1: It is. I mean, let's be candid about it. Henry Ford said it so, so, so well. So, so, so well. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you are always right. So you get to choose. Mm -hmm. If I thought I couldn't move those peas and I didn't continue to do it, I never would have moved a stinking pea and I would be sitting here talking to you in childlike, broken
0: speech. Right. And so many people need to hear this message right now because it's just easier. I mean, they call it the comfort zone for a reason. You just go about your life. You're not stressing because you're not putting yourself out there, but you're also not living. You know, deep inside you have more.
1: You know, what's really interesting and, and again, this has been my career, right? So what's very, very interesting to me is that most people in the comfort zone have no idea they're in their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. They really have no idea they're in their comfort zone. And how do they know that they're in their comfort zone? Because somebody like me will come along and say to them, so why don't you try X, Y, or Z? And they'll be like, oh no, that's too audacious. That's too big. No, really? It's just tiny. Let's make a tiny step and I'll help you get there and we'll figure out the how and the why. But until they actually take that first step out, they don't realize they're in their comfort zone because you've been in it so long that it just becomes your norm. Right. And it's so easy to not want to think of yourself being in your comfort zone. But boredom sets in, aging sets in. And the one thing that happens when people, I'm going to get morbid, but when people die, they don't say, I wish I would have done more sitting in my comfort zone. They don't say, I wish I would have done less reaching out to people. They have regrets on their deathbed. They have regrets for the things they didn't do. I'm sorry. I knocked at death's door. I am not going to have a regret. And my prayer for everyone listening to this is that they will not either.
0: All right. So you've been through so many things in your life and you've overcome But I know you're still human and you still have dreams that you've yet to pursue and you want to pursue. What are they? And is there any lingering fear still holding you back today?
1: That is an amazing question. Honestly, that's like you're stopping me in my tracks with that that question. So my dreams I can answer. And then the fear part, of course, you're fearful of sharing your fears, right? So that kind of what (laughs) made me pause for a moment. But my, my dreams are simple. I want to create an environment, a community where I take my 30 years worth of knowledge on personal development, professional development, and I pour it into people. I, this is the way I'm going to categorize it for you. I lived my prior life by aspiring before I expired. I want to spend my years now inspiring before I expire.
0: Ooh, that's That's what,
1: that's my dream. And my real dream, and it's a big, hairy, audacious dream, I wanna build a community of women that are action-oriented, that want more from life. I want to build a 5,000-person community that we all walk in and we feel like it's cheers. And it can be virtual because that's what it has to be right now. I want to feel like it's cheers. And I want each and every person walking in to have their name Norm called out to them <laughs> where they feel like they're there and it's their spot. I want that because so many people need it. And I can pour into each person mm-hmm to the group, I can, so much knowledge, some things about setting boundaries, things about goal setting, things about getting in action, personal and professional development, books, book clubs, doing that kind of work, doing this kind of work, getting balance in your life, all that stuff. Can you tell it lights me up? That's my dream. My dream is to leave a legacy of people being in a better place because they've had community and connection with me, not because I want the glory, not because I want the income, not because I want the money, not because I want any of that, but because I want so much more for other people. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to spend their life winning it away. I want them to win, not win.
0: And you mentioned the Jim Rohn quote You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So some yes. people say, I don't know any people who are, you know, pursuing their goals and living their dreams. Well, you've just described a way that you connect with people. I mean, you're in Michigan. I'm in Louisiana. Another of our teammates was in Tulsa. You find your people, you connect, and that's how you elevate.
1: So some of the people that I was part of with inside the group, I actually did several of my training courses. I did several courses inside the group for people so they could have them. One of them was on perfectionism. And she was in New Zealand and got up at five o'clock in the morning in New Zealand to do it. You, the- This is a worldwide thing. Everybody across the entire world wants
0: more. Yeah.
1: My fears, my fears are simple. My fears are that I'm not enough because guess what? Everyone has that. It's called imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Everyone has that. I have more credentials after my name than you can think of. I am... So elated to speak to people. You can hear my energy when I'm speaking, mm-hmm. but yet imposter syndrome pops up, right? It does. That's what it does for everybody. I actually was working with a person that I was coaching in a one-on-one coaching arrangement. This gentleman, I, I typically work with women mm-hmm. that I like working with women. I love pouring into women and helping them. But I happened to have this one gentleman that I had coached in my professional career who asked me to coach him personally. And The man had everything you could ever want in life. And I mean everything. He was a billionaire with a B. He ran a massive organization, charitable out the wazoo. He did it all. He had a family, the picket fence, the whole dynamic of what we would say success looks like. He called me and said, I have a deal on the table, but I don't think I can do it. I need you to walk me through it. And I thought he was going to ask me to work through some of the mechanics of the deal or some of the people side of the deal or some of that kind of stuff. And he said, I'm, I'm not good enough to do this. I don't think I can do this. He had everything that we would consider to be the pinnacle of success. And he was stuck feeling not good enough in imposter syndrome. So that is where I fear my, I feel my fear, but I know it's common everywhere. And by the way, he did that deal. And he said, point blank, it was the best decision he ever made in his life.
0: Wow. It just shows you on every level. And actually a lot of people who are high achievers like that, the reason they do it is they're always trying to prove they're enough. Absolutely. never enough to feel like they are enough. And actually I have a ring right here. You've probably seen them on Facebook. It says, I am enough. I got to book and remind myself every day too. Every day.
1: You know what I want you all to do and I want all your listeners to do. It's a super simple thing and it's going to sound really, really weird, but I guarantee you it will change how you see yourself. Before you leave your bathroom every morning, I want you to high five yourself in the mirror. (laughs) I'm serious. It changes the endorphins inside your brain. It is a chemical response to do it try it. And and then, you know what? I want your listeners to come back and tell you, Carrie, how it worked. I really want to hear that because high-fiving yourself makes a world of difference. Reminding yourself, I am enough and high-five yourself.
0: And I love myself.
1: Absolutely. That's
0: hard to say. It is hard to say, looking at yourself in the mirror, but that's important too. It absolutely is. Well, Tina, you have just dropped some major knowledge, some major encouragement and just have been the definition of a beacon.
1: Oh, you're so sweet.
0: I'm going to try to get glean a little bit more out of you and that's just with some recommendations. Because right. people who listen to this podcast know that I love books and I'm always huh? looking for the next book to read and inspiring and all that. Do you have a favorite book or a couple that have changed your life, inspired you. And if you do tell us a little about them.
1: So, um, yes, I'm, I'm a book geek myself. I love books. I do. So there's a couple that it really depends on where people are in their journey. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're you know dealing with change management and stuff like change in their life, there's some, uh, there's some things that happen, um, that I would suggest, but there's two that I think really speak to broad audiences so i'll suggest those two to the group first um one would be napoleon hill anything napoleon hill absolutely read napoleon hill i would tell you it's worth every moment of your time the second thing that i would tell you to read would be um the four agreements if you've not read the four agreements are you familiar with four agreements Mm -hmm. okay definitely reading the four agreements because frankly it's how life is easy, right? If you live those four things, and it's very, very hard not to. But the four agreements, or anything Napoleon Hill, "Think and Grow Rich," or his—the um, the second one's escaping me. Law of Attraction.
0: Yeah, he's usually like the gateway drug to personal development for a lot of people, and he's from back in the day. I mean, he 1930s. was 1930s. Yeah,
1: he. What the story really is is he got a he went out and did work with all of the most successful people and garnered and gathered what made them successful and distilled it down into that. He, it truly is the gateway into the personal professional development. So that helps everybody who's starting out into this journey for themselves to really get some foundation. That's why I suggest those two books.
0: Exactly. Because our thoughts are the most powerful things. And that determines our lives really. And he, he coined it and describes it very well. So I love those. I love that. Thoughts lead
1: to actions, actions lead to results. And it's a ongoing forever circle.
0: hmm Okay, quotes. You've dropped a few already. And I love to give people some quotes that they can jot down. Uh, so get your pens and pencils ready or your notes on your phone? Because I know, Tina, that you will have some good quotes or a quote to share with us.
1: One of my favorite ones goes back to Shakespeare, actually. And it's very simple. We know what we are, but know not what we may be.
0: Mm. What do you take from that? You are aware
1: of what you are today, but you have no idea what your divine potential is. Not until you get in an action and go find it. You have no idea what all you can become until you get in action. That's a great one. Don't play small, my friends. And I love Jim Rohn also. I love Jim Rohn. I know you and I, you, we'd already talked about one of his earlier, but if you don't design your own life, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what? They don't have much plan for you. <laughs> I love Jim Rowan. Yeah, he's great. He is. Um, there is another one. So, th- if you, I, I probably have 5,000 to be candid, but there's a, a another one that I really love that's Eleanor Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. And it's with new day comes new strength and new thoughts. We get a reset button every single day, guys. You have two choices every day. You get to choose your thought and choose your actions. Mm-hmm. And thoughts lead to action. So just making choices every single day, forget what you did yesterday, forgive yourself what you did yesterday or didn't do yesterday and press that reset button. So Eleanor Roosevelt's got so many really, really good ones as well.
0: Really amazing. She really was was. ahead of her time for sure.
1: And then of course you got to go to the other Roosevelt when you're doing that. And that's Franklin D. Okay. Um, So, and this is kind of just, it's tongue in cheek for me, but because we've all been there, right? When you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on.
0: (laughs) That's good. I love it. Well, you did not disappoint with the quotes for sure. I thank you. Do you? I post
1: them on socials all the time. I literally could spend my whole life just posting on socials.
0: (laughs) I mean, we're going to tell everybody where to find you. Oh, okay. Awesome. What, one last question. Are, do you watch movies? Do you have a favorite movie? Something you come back to time and time again? I So I, I do. I, I'm a sappy movie. So I
1: love anything that explodes stuff and that kind of stuff. But there are really? two movies that would be the ones that I watched more and more and more. And I would watch them a thousand times over again. And one is The Notebook. I love The Notebook. Oh. Um, I love the notebook. My mother had dementia. So that story is super, super, super powerful for me. And then, you know, there's nothing in this world in my mind that beats Forrest Gump. It just doesn't. I love my Forrest Gump. I love Forrest. If you, yeah, that's, that's just me. So um, there's a million other movies that I watch, but those are two that I don't care how many hundreds of times I've seen them. And and just so you know, I'm an eighties girl. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up, and my formative teen years in the 80s and any of the big hair 80 flicks i'm gonna watch them okay you know just um me anywhere from pretty breakfast and cl- pink, pretty and pink breakfast all club home. all that yes that is me so uh, yeah any of that but but my two go-to that i will watch i don't care how many times you put in front of me would have to be the notebook and for Gump.
0: all right Now, the time that everyone's waiting for, because after all your enthusiasm and the knowledge and the just excitement you've brought, I'm sure people are wondering how they can connect with you. They can see your quotes on Instagram and um, just tell us about what programs or how can they follow you and how to reach you, because I'm sure people are going to want to reach out after this.
1: Well, you're so kind for offering me this opportunity, but yes, I would love to have the people, have your people follow me. Your people are my people. Mm-hmm. When someone is my person, their people are your people too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am on Instagram at leading and living a life you love. Leading and living a life you love is my handle on Instagram. You can also find me and face, my Facebook group and rooted in happiness. You get it. The tree roots. <laughs> I'm rooted in happiness. Oh, get it. Good. Get it. My company's name is Solutions.com. I am gonna be putting out, I told you my dream is to create this community. It's coming guys. It's not, I'm not staying out of action. I will be in action. It's coming. So if you have any interest in being part of it, I would love to have you sign up and let me communicate with you. Go to my website, grab a quick download. It's just a quick coaching tool that I have out there. You're welcome to grab it as a PDF if you want. Um, It's something that I use with my clients to help them start thinking about different things in life. And it may spawn some ideas for you guys, but drop your email in there. And then I'll send you out some information as I start launching this group, Um, the community that I'm talking about. So I would love to have you join me along with that.
0: Perfect. I'm sure people will be reaching out to you because it's just great, all the things you have, have going on. And we've talked a lot about coaching on this show so far, and a lot of people, it might be new to them, like, what's a coach? You know, what, what are you talking about? I just go to a therapist or whatever. What, I mean, myself, I, I didn't make any action in my life until I had a coach. It was all, yeah, I was good at reading books, I was good at listening to podcasts, but it wasn't until I had a coach, a path, a beacon to show me the way that I actually am doing things. Can you speak just a little on coaching and, and encourage people of how it will help their lives?
1: Absolutely. So there's a lot of different kinds of things. So I'm going to break them down. So you have your therapist who de- definitely deals in the mental health arena, who is a practitioner dealing deep into um, mental health concerns. You have a coach, and then you have what I call a covisor, because that's really what I am, because I, am, I have so much knowledge. A coach in and of itself just helps pull out of you what you already think. Okay, they're pulling out of you. A co-visor, which is a term, by the way, I totally made up. A co-visor Great is Mark. a coach. It's a coach advisor. So I will coach and pull out of you, but I'll also share tidbits and nuggets with you. So I do coaching and advising together. So I call it co-vising. Um, what it really is is what we just did today. And so if you said, Mary Smith, how do you do that? We would break down Mary Smith's goals, objectives, and help her get into action to do that. That's what it really is. Mm -hmm. It's about accountability. It's not accountability in a bad sense of a word. It's about making sure you stay inspired to get to your end goal. Um, coaching can come in many different forms. It can come in one-on-one coaching. It can come in group coaching or group sessions. In fact, I'm going to be doing a group program not that far out from now that we're going to do the Wheel of Life Balance together. And when you do that, you work through it. And there could be ten people there. There could be a hundred people there, depending on how big a group that you could be with your coach. And they, you'll work through. And here's the really cool thing: if you've got a good coach, they'll work you through, and they stay in a place that is very, very vulnerable friendly, so you can share about yourself and get true feedback on how to take that next step. Right. And it's typically a smaller community that you're doing it. in. like you and I were in a coaching program that was uh, very particular and very structured around some of the topics about you know, launching your business, right, or, mm-hmm. or launching a, a program. That in and of itself had 500 people in it, but we had small coaching groups Mm -hmm. that we did life with and we did the exercises with. So you can have all different types of it, but coaching really is a interaction between two people or a group of people that really gets them into action and into results yeah that's what it really does it it, truly coaching for me i have a coach everybody i know who is a truly successful person that's why i was an executive that did coaching because you have a coach to help you do what you need to do athletes have coaches you can always be better okay here here's the truth bomb of the day None of us, none of us can see our blind spots, Mm -hmm. but everybody else can. And you need a coach who can tell you the truth and help you see your blind spots, so that you can go, oh, that's what's holding me back. Or, oh, that's how I'm doing that. So you can go burst through those doors and do what you need to do in this world.
0: So I encourage everybody to go to Tina's website, get on her email list so that you can see when she has programs that she's offering and and just be staying in touch that way. Lastly, Tina, uh you've shared so much and I really appreciate you being on the show. You you've you've gave some great knowledge to all of us. Is there anything left on your heart or any parting words of advice that you would want to give the audience before we sign off?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I do, I, wow, this is, I, I don't cry and I just teared up when you just said that because it's so hard on my heart right now. I want to tell every one of you, and I'm speaking directly to each and every one of you, there is no time to waste. There is no time. I got a do over in this life. You may not get a do over. Do not wait. Go be you. Lean into you, become you, love you, and just live your life fully. But for the grace of God, go I. Don't lose your opportunity.
0: Wow. What a way to send us off, Tina, with those words of encouragement. Thanks again for being on the show. Please, I encourage everyone to reach out to her. She's a great resource. Thank you, Tina. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would go and rate and review the show and also share it with somebody who you think would benefit from listening to the message. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram or you can email me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com. I hope something that you heard today will help you go out and live a more joy-filled, inspired life. Don't keep playing it safe. Be brave today. And of course, a huge shout out to Steve Denny for providing the music for this podcast.